This week is brought to you by Happy High Achiever. Have you recently hit difficult workplace hurdles despite a resume that seems enviable from the outside? It's hard to be happy in life when we're unhappy in our careers. I know that better than most. Those of us who consistently compete with ourselves to be better, whose pride and very identities are tied to achieving well, feel it really acutely when work stops going so well. If this scenario resonates with you, Happy High Achiever is here to help. Courtney Bryant, HHA's founder, started the company to provide support and resources for high-achieving employees who hit significant obstacles, sometimes for the very first time. You interested? Check out happyhighachiever.com backslash upzones to learn more during the newsletter and access a special Friends of the Pod rate on coaching packages. Upzones is also brought to you by Horizon Books, serving Seattle's book-loving community for about 48 years with one of the best collections of used books in the region. Travis, what do you got? Uh, got here the inflatable mon- uh, moments, pneumatics and protests in 68. Okay. All right. So we're going to do a little protest analysis, protest analysis, uh, kinesiological analysis. I see another book here for uh, a, a novel called The Serengeti Rules. I remember hearing about that. Uh, what's your favorite book that you've ever actually read? That I've ever actually read? Either American Gods or... Fear and loathing on the uh, great shark hunt. Well, those are great fucking books. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our sponsors are Horizon Books and Happy High Achiever. And this is Upzones. Things are changing. Things are changing. You have to elect yourself, Jamie. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself, So you save your money and you think, boy, I'll buy a house. And then you shop for a house in Seattle and you don't find one. And then you keep shopping and you still don't find one. And then you get married and you pull your income and you still don't find one. That's been the odyssey of Michelle and myself searching for a house, trying hard to buy conscientiously and live urbanly. We're still renting, but this week, man, we found some beautiful places that just may get snatched up by folks with a little bit more means than us. I don't know if any of you out there are looking or thinking about looking, making that decision, but, you know, write me, tweet me if you are. We'll run some stories. It is a very interesting time in the housing market. And there's some beautiful, beautiful homes out there, but I can't help but escape the feeling that they're just a little bit out of reach. We'll see. Maybe things will turn around. We we had ourselves uh, some good visits and one or two of them. And I think no matter what community we end up living in, if we even do take the plunge, it'll be an exciting adventure. This week's guest is an interesting one. Jorge Enrique Gonzalez Pacheco is the founder and CEO of the Seattle Latino Film Festival. He's also a Cuban filmmaker and poet. And that's actually how he kind of got his start, I think, in the public eye was as, was a poet. But now he, he runs an incredible cultural gem here in Seattle. Um, for the gringos in the crowd, bear with the accent issues. Yes, Jorge Enrique does have a thick Cuban accent. He defected to the United States. Well, at first he defected to Mexico and then eventually came to the United States. He was 33 when he left. He spoke only Spanish prior to that. 
Yes, there are some moments where only someone raised in Spanglish will understand what specifically was said, but eventually you get to the meaning and it's worth it. This guy has a story to tell, not just about the defection, which is, of course, always interesting, right? But just he's been everywhere. He's been to Mexico. He's been to Spain. He's, you know, put on a film festival for 10 years. He's had a poem praised and published by Octavio Paz. Celia Cruz paid for him to leave Cuba. His dad was a top economic advisor to Castro. Octavio Paz. This dude is like a living embodiment of 100 years of solitude or something. Everything in Cuba seems to pass through <laughs> this amazing, amazing human, uh, Jorge Enrique. And he's, uh, once you get him talking, he's, he's, uh, doesn't stop. Uh, he just had a lot of great, wonderful things to say. Really great perspective on how uh, the Latin American film industry looks at Seattle, even if Seattle is not necessarily looking back. And even if Seattle is always looking at itself and not necessarily as much at the world stage. And, and in that way, Jorge Enrique gives a an extremely crisp and unusually detailed picture of what it's like to build something from scratch. I pay a lot of attention to the artists. You know, my second season here, we've been focusing on artists. Um, we'll focus on, I believe, builders in the third season. And, and Jorge Enrique really does bridge the gap between those two. Uh, he's built something completely from scratch. And he has a deep perspective on how much luck plays a role in the whole thing. In Havana. Oh, and when did you leave? I left Cuba in 2003. Okay. So I came first to Mexico mm -hmm. because I'm a writer. I'm a poet. Mm -hmm. So one of my books was published there and, and I got the invitation to go to Mexico. And, and I've been in Mexico for a few months. So only, I think it was three months. Mm -hmm. And after that, I get an invitation to come to the Miami International mm -hmm. Book Fair with all the books because in 2003, I published two books, one in Mexico and all in Spain. So on the Miami International Book Fair, they invited me to come. And it was the time when I chose to stay in the United States, mm -hmm. my family. Is that complicated? I mean, do you, do they, can you just stay or is it a difficult process? But um, now probably it's difficult, but in 2003 it was really easy for Cubans. Mm -hmm. So um, I was living in Mexico. I have special residence mm -hmm. over there as a writer. But when I came immediately, I, through friends and people at the government in Miami, they helped me to get the status like a, a refugee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was so nothing difficult. I get parole and immediately mm -hmm. I get um, economic support and Medicare for eight months. Yeah. But I don't remember the name of the law now. I think it's a it's a special law for Cubans. Obama, he canceled the one of the chapter of the law mm. when the people cross the border and immediately they call food. I don't remember the call of the law now, but yeah, when the Cuban cross the border, immediately mm -hmm. they they get papers and mm -hmm. yeah. But Obama, he canceled this mm, this status. Why did they do that? Do you know why he did that? Uh, he did that before he and his. Um, it was part of the normalization, right? That's yeah. why they did it. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, a part. Yeah. I was, I was agree with him. <laughs> yeah. Believe me. Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people they have used it mm. of the law. Are you able to go back? Um, if I want, yes, but I need to ask for Cuban passport. Yeah. So I'm American citizen right now. So 
and I don't want to go to Cuba with a Cuban passport. I prefer go as American to get a mm -hmm. protection. Yeah. If I have any issues there, I don't think so. We have issues, <laughs> but you never know. Well, tell me about that. So I know you had some po political complaints against the government, right? Is what, did that motivate you leaving as well? Uh, but since I was living in Cuba, I have problem with the government. Yeah. <laughs> Politically, I am really open, and 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 I have I work in the film industry because of that because it was the only way that I have to express everything that I feel, and I don't have political. Uh, problems uh, because the cinematography institute in Havana was the only way that the writers or all the kind of artists can go and, and get small protection mm. and because Fidel Castro he looked this institute like okay everybody there is crazy uh, you know so the president of this institute he support a lot the freedom speech mm -hmm. in Cuba so but yeah um, I left Cuba in 2003 but before I left Cuba I have no political issues and I don't know like a dissident right. of okay. the government or something like that but yeah um, I'm, I'm working on many different projects um, inside the art in Cuba that the government they look like a, okay look like a danger like a suspicious <laughs> yeah, kind of suspicious. eye to, yeah. yeah because um, most of this project was about to save the culture of Cuba before 1959 because the revolution came to Cuba and they create a new Cuba for the eyes of the people mm -hmm. so most of the the people out of Cuba they thought before 1959 Cuba was a so poor country no culture no nothing no literature mm -hmm. and this is not true of course Cuba, not, yeah. Cuba was and the music and the literature uh, one of the pioneer countries in whole America as a continent so um we have a lot of writers, a lot of musicians. The popular Cuban music was so popular around the world. Uh, we had Tropicana, we have San Susi, Montmartre, all of that was a, a cabaret that the Nakin called Fran Sinatra, all these big numbers of the entertainment United they, they States. They were taking the musicians yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they came to Cuba. <clears throat> so, but for me, in specific, was really interested to work in this in this year before 1959, because for my generation, um, most of them they don't know who was Celia Cruz, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity. I never met Celia Cruz in person, but through my family in, in Spain, I, I had connection with her, and she called me one time to Cuba, and I was talking with her by phone, mm -hmm. and and one of my trip out of Cuba. I had opportunity also to receive a small economic um, help from mm. Celia Cruz, but not all my generation. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Not all my generation had this opportunity, and and my idea when I started to work on the film industry was to um, help to um, bring to these young people, but closer than in my same um, range of age bring them this culture because they never know. It was whitewashed yeah, away. Yeah, totally, totally. totally. So, but um, the government, they saw that like, okay, this guy is doing something that I don't like it. I don't want to see the past because the revolution came like, okay, this is a new society for Cubans. This is a new time for Cubans. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of people, they believe that and, and they thought, before 1959, Cuba was just doesn't like exist. <laughs> Las Vegas. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's an amazing story. And so that was 2003. You came first to Mexico, then you came. Yeah. Here. When did you settle here in Seattle? In 2006. Okay. 
Um, what brought you here? But um, it's funny. I came because I have a friend in Miami, and um, my career came through the poetry. I always <clears> say <throat> the poetry saved my life <laughs> because when my mom died, um, for me it was really be hard to create connection with my dad. My dad, he's, he was a citizen of Raul Castro for 25 years. He had a mm. PhD in economy. So, but my connection with my dad was really hard. So I started to write poetry. And when I went to Spain in the 1992, and I had opportunity, I was 21 years old, I had opportunity to meet there um, a Nobel Prize, a Mexican Nobel Prize, Octavio Paz. And Octavio Paz, and he, I, I show him one of my poems. He read the poem and said, you know what? It's your time to start to publish your poetry. Through um, the help of Octavio Paz and other um, Spanish writers, one of my poems was published at University of California, Riverside. Um, I come back to Cuba in, in 1993. And the person who published this poem, she was uh, the chair of the Spanish and Portuguese department at the University of California, Riverside. And she got her PhD here mm-hmm. at the University of Washington. I was living in Miami in 2004, and I sent an email her telling, okay, I'm here in the United States now. Um, I will publish a book soon in, in Spain, but I want to leave Miami. I don't feel I can live here because I moved to United States to learn the culture of United States. I think, I don't know if New York or California, but tell me which place, no? And she told me, Seattle. Seattle. And I say, oh, yeah, you did your PhD in Seattle. She said, yeah, I did my PhD. Yeah, Yeah. you do. So um, she she passed away already. She was probably almost 70 in uh, 2004 when I talked with her. And I was at a gym to do my workout. (laughs) And one day I was talking with um, a Cuban girl at the gym. And we have a conversation about Cubans, about immigration and all of that. And I told her, you know, I want to leave Miami, but probably I go to New York. Because my publisher, the first person, the person that published my poetry, she told me to move to Seattle, but Seattle is so far and I don't have anybody there. And I remember her face. She looked at me like, Seattle? Just say Seattle? I said, yeah, Seattle. I said, you know, my mom and my cousin, they live in Seattle. Ah. And I say, oh my gosh, are, are so you seeing this? Sign. Yeah. And, and I say, okay, you want to talk with that? And she said, yeah, my mom, she come for Christmas. So I will introduce you to her and you can talk with my mom and you can tell her if my cousin want, because my cousin, she's a millionaire. She lives in Seattle. She lives in West Seattle, two million house, two million dollar <laughs> house. If she wants, she can help you. And you, yeah, she's Jewish. Um, her cousin is Jewish. So yeah, I met her mom. Her mom said, you know, in Seattle, rain a lot, no Cuban food. <laughs> no Cuban. Um, the Latino culture is really tiny. Yeah. So everything is in English. Are you feel ready to move over there? I said, you know, my English is not good right now, but mm, probably in 10 years I can talk fluent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to see. Also, I, I came to the United States to learn about the culture, mm. about the country. I never will feel like a... American, because when the people ask me, you are Cuban-American, I say, I'm Cuban, 100% Cuban, because I grew up in my country 33 years, so I don't American at all, so I'm American citizen, but no. No, I I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, so then you came here. Yeah, in 2006. And you've been very active in the the film community here. Yeah, well, um, 
through like all the friends. Um, you got a lot of friends, man. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends around the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I was immediately I moved to Seattle. Um, this Jewish woman, um, Vivian is her name. She she tried to connect me with um, her friends and older Americans. With one of her friends, I met a Cuban guy. So um, one time she told this guy, hey, I have a Cuban guy. He came from Miami. He need met the Cuban community here. So this guy connect me with all the Cubans. And one of these Cubans is a really good friend of one of um, Seattle U professor. Actually, I, I collaborate with her in her classes of cinema right now. No? So her name is Diana. Diana, she invited me to one of her classes, and and when I was talking to the students about my life, I don't remember the name of the class now, but it was like a biographical class about people, and she shared my poetry with the students. The students, they make a lot of questions, but the students, they came and they asked me more questions about my life and the film industry. Mm-hmm. And one of them asked me why I don't try the way to uh, improve the program of Seattle International Film Festival <laughs> with uh, Latin American cinema. I say, well, I never been in the Seattle International Film Festival. It was in 2007. Mm-hmm. So a year after I moved from Miami, I say, I don't have any connection with this festival, but if I can just, if I can do something, I would do it. But I don't have any connection. So this guy, he say, oh, I am a volunteer at the Seattle International Film Festival. I can invite you to the program. You can watch one of the the, the, the movies that they show. But I think they need to improve their Latin American program. It was funny because um, the conversation was 2007 and 2008. This guy con- contacted me again, and I went to the Seattle International Film Festival. And he said, you know, the Seattle International Film Festival is bringing a Cuban movie. The name is Benny, mm-hmm. about Benny More. And I heard the name of the movie. say, I know this movie. I know the director. He was my boss mm-hmm. in Cuba when I was working in the film industry. And, and I watched the film, and I said, I don't see any problem to improve the program or help them to bring a new film from Latin America. I think it's good. This is a musical film about saying, no, but they bring a lot of film with violence and drugs. So like the stereotype, mm-hmm. um, he was half Colombian. I said, you know what? I think that I need to do is a film festival. Mm-hmm. So, and I told Diana, and Diana, she connected me with a filmmaker here. He's Chicano, and he said, I don't have any idea about Latin American film, but I can help you to write grants, to talk um, <laughs> yeah. about your ideas and all of that. And, and I can help you to bring people, like an audience and all of that. So it was the time when the festival started. So we, the conversation was in 2000, and immediately... It's the International Film Festival done, but the first festival was in 2009. So, and, and I started the festival with the first show was in April of 2009 with the Leston Huge Afro-American Film Festival. This guy, he had connection with the executive director. I met her. It was when um, Celia the Queen, the documentary about Celia Cruz was out. 
was in 2008, the production they, they have the premiere in 2009. And, and the conversation, she say, I want to close my festival with something about Latinos. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, I say, I'm going to Miami to visit my family. I can meet the director of Celia, Celia, Celia the Queen. Uh, the Queen of the Salsa is the name. Of the That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And she say, I think this is fantastic, but probably so expensive. So um, I went to Miami. I met my aunt and I asked her, one of my aunts, she was a friend of Celia. And I said, you want to help me? She <laughs> say, um, I can call the mom of Gloria Stefan and I can ask to Gloria, yeah, yeah. Gloria Fajardo, if she can help you yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that. And was really nice because um, I went to Miami one of all of my friends there, um, she called the director of the movie and, and Gloria Stefan and Emilio. They give me, um, like, um, in the Hotel Cardoso that they have in Miami. They invite me to launch and talk about the, the how we can show the documentary here. So they give me the documentary free. They say, okay, take the copy and bring it to Seattle and show. Oh, that's great. And, and the Leston Hughes Show for American Film Festival of this year, they had the closing night with the Queen of the Salsa. And, it was incredible because they never spent around 300 people came and it was, I never forget, it was April. It was a beautiful a spring day. I never spent, uh, or we never spent around 300 people came to watch a documentary about Celia Cruz. Uh, it was the time when I thought and I told this guy, I say that his name is Lonnie. I said, Lonnie, I think it's the time to start a film festival because look, yeah. it's bad, totally bad. I think it's great. If we can figure it out, how we can do yeah. the festival. No? So he said, but you want to do it in 2010? I said, no, I want to do it now. He said, we don't have money to do that. Are you crazy? Say, well, let me knock some doors in Latin America, think commissioner in Colombia or Mexico. Mm. I know some of them. Let me see if I can find some movies, but we can start. And we prepare a festival in less than six months. Mm. So for culture, we have time to apply for grant for for culture. And also in Microsoft, we have Microsoft at this time have one of the BP. Mm -hmm. His name his name is Orlando Ayala. He's from Colombia. He said, you know what? Um, I want to give five thousand from my own pocket. Yeah. So, but I think it's a great idea. Um, it's a great project. The Latinos here, they need something like that because culturally, they don't have too much. So especially representing the whole Latin America and include Spain and Portugal also in the same plate. And, and the festival started <laughs> in 2009. We have 45 films for 15, uh, 16 countries. Mm. We have three guests. <laughs> they pay by themselves, the Erfur ticket and all of that. We show film in three different venues, and we get the support of Colombia and most of the countries that get the movie free. Uh, we don't pay, but the festival, the cost of the festival, the most expensive part was venues. Oh, it always is. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, because they have to pay staff and yeah. insurance. So, and yeah, everything. but we did the festival with 15,000, and we show 45 films. That's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. So the second year came the... Uh, economic crisis in United States was 2010. Was, yeah. um, Lonnie say, you know, probably we need to stop it. They say, no, no. If we stop that, we never, never we come do back. it again. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and the festival started in 2009. We have already 10, 10 editions. So, yeah. The last this one. Is, this is, uh, this is the, this year, this is the number one. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's in the fall, right? Yeah. It's yeah. in the fall. It's in October. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's amazing. And what are you? What have you been working on now for this year? Is there going to be any changes? Uh, on the festival, yeah. you say? Well, all year, um, this is my conversation with my board because um, I have people, but all my boards, they are learning about wrong and non-profit organization. And, and uh, last year, for example, we have 70 screenings from 18 countries, 25 guests from 11 countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we show in around 10 different venues. Mm-hmm. We show University of Washington, Seattle U, and Emo Community College, and Seattle Art Museum, and uh, Mopop, and so yeah. it was 10 different venues. And my conversation with them about budget was that, because they come with the same budget of last year. They say, oh, we can say, no, you know, do, doing this festival 10 years, one of the things that I learned is, this is like when you write a book. If you write a book... Always, you need to write a new book with a different history inside, you know, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. characters and mm-hmm. everything, especially if you write novel like poetry. You cannot repeat again. So in 10 years, if the festival have the prestige that the festival has inside of the film industry, it's because, this is my work, as a programmer, I change it all year, the program. I It's, it's fun for me because... Um, I feel when I'm doing the program, like I'm writing a poem. So because sometimes I get this movie and I say, okay, I want to show this movie Monday. But I say, you know what? I will show on the varsity, for example. But when I contact the producer of the movie, he say, oh, the copy that I have in Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And I watch the movie and I say, you know, this movie has an educational component. Probably I move and I show mm-hmm. in Seattle University. Yeah. Or I contact my people in University of Washington. That's investment. You're investing in the place, yeah. the particular location. Yeah. 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 So, and, and also, is is our staff <clears throat> is seven only, seven people only, but I'm working with around 25 people mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. Because um, now we have a film freeway. This is a platform that people can submit films. Mm-hmm. They pay a little bit and they submit the films. So I'm working with 25 programmers. So these people helping me to choose which film going to the program at the end of the festival. So it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, no, it's full-time job. Yeah. I've been in Spain right now and... I've been in three different film festivals in mm-hmm. Spain. And now the festival, no, it's like a, an event and the fall in Seattle. Mm-hmm. They look the festival like an institution for the cinematography mm-hmm. here at Northwest um, of United States. Mm-hmm. So that now the responsibility is huge mm-hmm. because I met now when I've been in Madrid, I met Asunta Serna, probably you say, who is this woman? But she worked with the almost most important Almodovar film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I met her, she have a new film. She wants to collaborate with the festival. I met the, the Almodovar, the Pedro Almodovar brother too. In 2013, we brought Fernando Trueba, he won the Oscar in 1994. We show one of the, his last film. So out of Seattle, they don't look the festival like, oh, this is another festival in Seattle. This is an institution that the film industry in Latin America has the opportunity one time or around a year to show their works, their yeah. films in Seattle. It's bigger. It's almost really bigger outside of Seattle in a way. Yeah. 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 yeah it's the cultural f- impact. Yeah. The is- cultural impact. 
have a huge cultural impact. Also, um, they believe in how important is the festival to educate the people mm -hmm. and show our diversity. Mm -hmm. Remember when you told me about you are half Puerto Rican, I love, I got right now three three short films from Puerto Rico mm -hmm. and, and one of them I was watching last night. I say, oh my gosh, the photography is incredible. So the, the, the Puerto Rican, they are doing incredible cinema. And and I've been in Paris. Um, I've been in La Casa Latinoamericana, mm. the Latin American Maison or Latin American House in Paris. And in my conversation with the director of the the house was why through the Seattle Latino Film Festival we don't create a collaboration and we can show this short film, this documentary that is hard for them show it out of the circle of the Latino Film Festival in the United States. Right. Because they made incredible films. But if Sundance, uh, if they don't put their film at Sundance or Tribeca or most white American mm -hmm. film festival, they don't have the opportunity to show out of the United States. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and I'm working in, in right now on that to try also through the festival to help these filmmakers because I know how expensive it is to do it. I know the whole passion that they put doing their film, but when the festival, the Latino Film Festival done, San Diego or Chicago mm -hmm. or Seattle Latino Film Festival, they need to get that and put on the box and forget, mm -hmm. you know? So, and out of United States, they have many different venues to show. Right. And, right. and Spain and Latin America and mm -hmm. France. So, I'm working on that. Now, it, I, I assume that m most of the films are in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Are they, are they subtitles. subtitles for the English list, yeah. uh, audience? Yeah. You... But also, I'm working, on, <laughs> I'm working on the subtitles, too, yeah. because it's a challenge mm -hmm. um, to... So you do a lot of the translation. Uh, but no, no, not me. But um, I have a, 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 a students now in mm -hmm. UW. Mm -hmm. I invite them to participate in a workshop about how you can put subtitles to films. Mm -hmm. So, because... The subtitles, most of them, they are really bad. So, and the American audience, they love to go watch foreign film, specifically in Seattle. But if the subtitles are really bad, they won't care. Yeah, they won't they care. Won't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and this is my conversation also with the film industry in Spain, for example. I was I'm talking with um filmmakers, so two women, they are doing a documentary about uh, Sara Montiel. Mm. Um, she was before Penelope Cruz and all this. She was one of the divas of Hollywood. Right? She was born in Spain. She died three years ago. And and I told her, I said, you know, I'm happy if you give me this documentary and I can put subtitles mm -hmm. in the United States. Oh, we have a company. We can put subtitles here. I said, well, no. No, it's, as I, I can explain you when... The audience, the American audience came, they don't speak Spanish and they see to watch the movie and the subtitle don't say to them like they think. Mm -hmm. They go out of the movie and you ask them, do you like the movie? Um, the photography was good. The music was good, but I don't know what to give out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So for you, it's poetry. It's, I mean, it's the same thing. It's, yeah. No. You translate poetry. It, 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 um, it, if the translation is not, um, 
exquisite. Yeah, it, it, totally. you're going to lose the audience because totally. language is so central to the understanding of the of the film. And yeah, and and one of the problem of the majority of the Latin American films to run a film festival in the United States is the subtitles. Mm -hmm. We understand, but. In Seattle, it's all the conversation that I have with the staff of the festival with the board. Seattle is different to Chicago, it's different to California, it's different to Miami. So our focus is the Anglo or Asian American or Asian or Afro-American or Africans. But yeah. the Latinos in Seattle, we are, it's a really tiny group. Yeah. So we need to have a good films with a good subtitles because when we show that the majority of the audience, they are multicultural. Mm -hmm. So you can see three Latinos on the venue, but if 90 sit at the venue and the majority, they don't speak Spanish. Right. Yeah. So the subtitles is very important. Yeah. And, and I work on that a lot. Mm -hmm. So now with the programmers, I have... Anglo 100%, I have Latinos also, but I put the focus on the Anglos. When they mm -hmm. watch the film, I say, how you see the subtitle? Mm -hmm. So, and the other ones are, if Latino, they speak Spanish, I say, okay, look the photography, look the characters, look the diction or the yeah, music. The film, the, the film. film. Yeah. But the other, I say, okay, see all of that, but put attention on the subtitles. subtitles yeah. Let me know how. So if we choose the film, if we pick up the film for the program, sometime uh, last year was a, a good example. I got a great documentary from Chile about the immigration, the internal immigration of um, Latinos inside of Latin America. Mm -hmm. And the, the documentary have a lot of issues with the subtitles. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I told the director, I say, if you fix the subtitle problems, or issues, I can put the, the documentary and the program. Mm -hmm. And Did she they? say, yeah, 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 she had time. And also, I connect her with one of my friends in Kansas City. She's 100% uh, white, Anglo, white yeah. American. Yeah. This girl, she speak English, and they work and improve. And right now was the documentary that I sent to Casa de America in Madrid, the American house in Madrid. And they say, oh, we want to show, of course, in Spanish, but we want to show with the subtitle because the subtitle look great. Yeah. I say, yeah, yeah. 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 And you can increase your audience. You can not only bring Latinos of Spaniard in Madrid, you can invite, say, okay, the documentary came with English subtitle mm -hmm. and the English subtitle is really good. Mm -hmm. Because this is one of the problems. They, they make the subtitle with a, how can I say, the, with the British, you know. Mm -hmm. Grammar and all of that, mm -hmm. but no, I'm in the United States, different. And it's I, different. Yeah, it's yeah. totally different. Anything interesting happening for but, this year? But this year I'm so crazy busy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, the festival, um, try to see if I can publish my book. new book. Yeah. And also, well, um, I was talking about a documentary that yeah. I'm working. Um, it's my first project directing. That's exciting. Is a, yeah, um, especially for the history around. So, um, is a 87 year old woman. She lives in Spain and she was one of the most international Cuban rumberas. Mm -hmm. So, in the early 1950. So, when I talked with her in 2016, um, about her life, she's my aunt. She lives in Madrid. 
I never spat. Med. This woman was a really intense and interest, interesting life, because she worked with Celia Cruz for a lot of years. She was a really good friend of Tito Puentes. She worked with Nakin Cole, with Josephine Baker, and and she have a lot of pictures of her house albums. Mm -hmm. And I say, why you don't give me the opportunity to do something with all of that? So I think there is only a documentary about a dancer. It's a historical documentary. This sounds like it complements your earlier work about trying to recover the history, the pre-revolutionary history. Yeah, yeah. But I started that in Cuba with older people. Other, that yeah. Most of them, they die already yeah. in Cuba. But when I met her in 2016, I didn't know she was still alive. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in Madrid in 2016, and I visited one of my aunt. She say, you know, you have another aunt living here. Mm -hmm. And when she told me the name, I say, but the family in Cuba say she died. She say, no, no, she's still wow. alive. She's still alive. Wow. So um, let me see if she want to see you. I will ask. Mm -hmm. And um, she say, yeah, 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 bring me. She say, okay, um, because she called her by phone. Say she say yes. And when I start to talk with her. Um, if it was in 2016, she say, um, I'm really happy to tell you my life. So I come back to U.S. Last year was so hard year for me to start the festival and all of that. And I leave the documentary, um, you know, in repose. And, but I come back this year and I say, is this time to start? You're going to do it. Um, That's wonderful. We end all of our interviews with a segment that we call, if you care about, mm -hmm. then you should. Mm -hmm. So fill in the blanks. If you care about, you should. If you care about, huh? It's good. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in your email, but you know what? It's, I care about a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to answer you because okay. it's. But I care about a lot. Of, I am a person that have a lot of stuff in my brain, you know. And yeah. Well, clearly, you've been writing for yeah forty years, and and you're. Uh, filmmaker and it's been a pleasure to have you on we'll, we'll when it comes closer to the film festival i'll make sure that we talk about it on the show as well oh no yeah yeah absolutely the, the film festival this year on october 4th until october 12th okay well thank you very much well, thank you for inviting me yeah. thank you so much so it's a pleasure <laughs> we'll 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 stay in touch yeah absolutely that was Jorge Enrique Gonzalez Pacheco, founder and CEO of the Seattle Latino Film Festival. He's a poet, he's a writer. The film festival only goes up in October, but man, check him out this summer. Maybe do a little research, maybe go volunteer. I'm sure they could use it. Our sponsors are Happy High Achievers and Horizon Books. Check out www.happyhighachiever.com backslash upzones. For friends of the pot discounts, you know the music is by the Subcons, a dope opening poetry sample by Anthony McPherson. My favorite. And I'm your host, Ian Martinez. We'll see you next week. <laughs>